Welcome to the White Coat Life Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Certified Coach Paula White, MD. If you're a physician in academic medicine looking for skills to understand and take control of your experiences, both in work and out, this is a great place to start. Okay, everyone, thanks for joining me for episode 32. Today, we're going to talk about how to do something when you just don't feel like it. And it's quite timely because today I just don't feel like recording a podcast. I'm post-call. I'm really tired. I didn't get any sleep at all last night and got a nap today, but it's just never quite the same. But it's time for me to do a podcast, so I'm going to do it anyway. So when I say doing something that you don't feel like doing. I'm not talking about things that you truly don't want to do. So we're not talking about things that go against your moral code or things that don't serve some purpose in your life. I'm talking about things that are part of a larger goal or outcome, but maybe this one little part isn't your favorite. Or maybe it's something that you do sometimes enjoy, but right now you're just not in the mood. Or something you know you'll be glad that you did once it's done, but right now it sounds really hard. I'm pretty sure I do things like that every day, things that I don't feel like doing, but I do it anyway, and you probably do too. It can be anything from me not wanting to wash the reusable straws that are collecting near the sink, or not wanting to work out, or not wanting to write the discussion section of a manuscript, which is always my kryptonite, or not wanting to do a podcast for that matter. These are all things that I really do want to have accomplished, but they all seem to require some amount of cajoling for me to make myself do them. Wouldn't it be nice if things like this didn't feel so hard, at least some of the time anyway? So the first part about understanding why we don't want to do something is understanding why we do. The motivational triad theory teaches that humans have three primary drives that shape all of our desires and behaviors. Seek pleasure, avoid pain, and conserve energy. Now, in the most basic sense, of course, this is definitely true. You have to keep yourself alive and propagate the species. But in the 21st century, most of what we're deciding to do and not do is a bit more nuanced than try not to die. The more nuanced version of this for our day-to-day lives is that the reason we want anything is because of how we think it's going to make us feel. Now, the motivational triad still fits here. We want things because we think they'll make us feel good, or we think they'll protect us from harm, or we think they sound easy. The problem is that sometimes our brains develop some stories that will drive us in the wrong direction unless we take the time to identify and correct those thought deviations. Sometimes we're lucky and this work happens effortlessly, like how kids hate brushing their teeth, but adults love brushing their teeth. At least most adults do. I don't think anyone consciously makes the decision to try and start liking brushing their teeth, but this transition happens for almost everyone. But sometimes we have to consciously work on changing our thoughts about something, and we can eventually change how we feel about it. And sometimes we don't really change either, but we just figure out how to do it anyway. Now, if you're not careful with this, though, you can be doing it in a way that's essentially the same as using willpower. And since willpower is a finite resource, we want to be really selective about when we use it and try to find better solutions whenever we can. It's kind of like pushing a shopping cart over a speed bump. You push through the inertia, get the job done, maybe seems like no big deal. 
But what if there are 10 speed bumps or 20? And what if the parking lot is uphill? All of that extra energy expenditure can add up and you might need it for a different task. So wouldn't it be better to figure out how to navigate a different path and save your energy? We've already spent a fair amount of time in other episodes talking about how you can change what you're thinking and how you're feeling. So today we're going to mostly focus on a different strategy, which is figuring out how to flatten out those speed bumps and reduce the inertia to make it so that you can do it anyway, but without quite so much effort and without necessarily doing too much thought work. Chances are, if this is one of those things that you're definitely going to do anyway, deep down you probably really like your reasons for wanting, or at least planning, to do it. What's blocking you from seeing that in the moment is that your brain is probably confused about one or more pillars of that motivational triad. You might be underestimating the amount of pleasure the completed activity will give you, or exaggerating the discomfort of doing it, or exaggerating the amount of energy it will take. Okay, so let's start with that really trivial example, me not wanting to wash the straws. If we look at this and figure out what's really driving me to feel like I don't want to do it, is it underestimating the amount of pleasure of having it done? Well, no, I'm pretty clear on how much I love having an uncluttered countertop and how good I feel when chores are done, so I don't think that's it. Am I overestimating the amount of effort it will take? No, pretty clear about that too. This is an activity that very predictably takes me seconds to complete. There's no question in my mind that it will be fast and easy. So then I must be exaggerating the discomfort it will cause. Mm-hmm, that's it. At first, my brain will try and sell me a vague story, like, I just don't want to. But you have to say, okay, that's not good enough. Why? And then my next answer is only slightly less vague. Well, it feels yucky. Okay, a little bit better, but still not good enough. Why does it feel yucky? And if I really get into it, it's because I don't want to get my hands wet. And there it is. It's so ridiculous. I can't help but laugh at myself a little, in a very loving way, of course. But now that I figured that out and have it out in the open, it's like a steamroller ran right over that speed bump and flattened it right out. And I can tell myself, for Pete's sake, stop being ridiculous. Yes, your hands are going to get wet, and then you will dry them on the nice clean towel that's right there, and it will all be fine. And plus, you get your hands wet a bazillion times a day, and you'd never care about it any other time. So just by shining a light on it, my resistance is gone. Instead of being annoyed by this task, now I'm amused. Okay, so let's look at another one, working out. Most of the time, I work out five or six days a week. I love how I feel afterward. I love what it does for my mood and my sleep. I don't love the actual process of working out. Now, if I go on a long walk or hike or jog in a forest preserve and I completely lose myself in podcasts or a good audiobook, that's great. But for pretty much every other type of exercise, I am counting the minutes until it's done. Like literally counting the minutes. Sometimes counting seconds. Usually I have some fractions going on in my head. Like, okay, I'm doing a 30-minute ride, so every three minutes is 10%, so every minute and a half is 5%, so how many minutes in are we now? What percentage of the ride do I still have left? If I'm on the bike or treadmill, or especially when I'm doing strength training, I'm slogging through and counting the seconds until it's done. It's not that I hate it. I generally don't mind working out, except strength training, which I really do hate. 
But really what's going on most of the time is that I have a short attention span and I'm bored. Now, interestingly, when I'm feeling resistant to working out, it can be from any of the three pillars of that motivational triad. I might be overestimating the amount of effort required or how hard it's going to be, therefore how much pain it will cause me. And that's easy enough to combat by reminding myself that every second of it is entirely optional. And if I actually feel like it's too hard at any point, I can slow down or take a break or even stop. I almost never do, but just reminding myself that I can if I want to or need to, it takes away the fear of consuming too much energy or causing pain. Or I might be underestimating the net reward I'll feel. Here's something that creeps into a lot of things for me, and I'm going to guess that it happens for some of you as well because I'm guessing that I am not the only type A personality out there. So raise your hand if you've ever skipped a workout completely because you only have 45 minutes, so why bother working out at all? Yeah, so what's going on there is a little bit of perfectionism. Do it the right way or don't do it at all, which then leads you to underestimate the pleasure you can get from it. Logic usually works here, too. Yes, it's absolutely correct that the amount of physical and mental benefit I would probably get from an hour workout is probably better than what I'd get from a 30 or 45-minute workout. And also, the benefit I would gain from the shorter workout is far, far better than what I have if I don't work out at all, which is nothing. In fact, the benefit from even a short workout is a lot, And then the incremental gains from longer duration are pretty small. And at a certain point, it actually goes the other direction. Once you start getting into endurance workouts, they can actually be depleting. So here again, logic usually can help. Okay, but what about when logic just isn't working? You sort it out. You figure out exactly what's making you feel like you don't want to do this. You've identified that your reasoning is illogical or flawed, and you present yourself with the logical rebuttal, but your brain is just still resisting. If I know perfectly well that I don't want to wash the straws because I don't feel like getting my hands wet, and I've already reminded myself that this is pretty silly, but instead of striking me as funny, this time I'm doubling down on it. That's right, I'm sticking with my story, even though I know it's ridiculous. If you find yourself having this type of discussion with yourself in your head, it's a good idea to do a check-in and see how you're doing with your hierarchy of needs. There's a decent chance that if you're stuck in this kind of thinking, some of your basic needs aren't quite being met. It probably has nothing to do with the task at hand, but whatever is lacking is making it so you don't have the emotional reserve to handle even something this small. Have you gotten enough sleep? Do you need to eat? Are you hydrated? Do you need a hug? And I'm completely serious about that. If you're below the ground floor on your spiral staircase of emotional wellness, it makes everything seem harder than it needs to be. Fighting yourself over trivial things can be a signal that it's time to put some work into your emotional well-being. But what if you do that check-in and things are really okay? Sometimes this just needs to be a tough love moment, like drop the drama, knock it off, just get it done. And here's where I like to remind myself, we do hard things all the time. Okay, I know I said I wasn't going to focus on changing your thinking or feeling, but I do want to touch on one aspect of that in terms of doing something you ultimately want done but don't feel like doing. If this is something that's going to require some work to change your thoughts, 
you're going to need a strategy to keep moving forward with your actions while you're progressively doing the thought work. So this is especially useful for things where you want to become the type of person who does this thing regularly, but right now it sounds impossible because it sounds like that's way too hard. I like to think of this kind of like how we would counsel a patient who wants to become a regular exerciser but currently believes they don't have the ability to exercise because all of their prior efforts at trying to be that type of person have not been successful. One way to tackle the action part of this while you're gradually doing the thought work is to break it down until you come up with the smallest fraction of the task that could be counted as a step toward doing it and currently feels doable. So our patient who wants to be someone who exercises regularly, what's the smallest part of a workout routine that they could feel confident that they can do? Maybe it's something as simple as putting on gym shoes and wearing them for five minutes. Maybe it sounds a little ridiculous, but hear me out. If our patient really feels confident that they can take this step, we have them commit to themselves that they're going to do it however many days a week that they think is their goal for, say, the next two weeks. And then we have them write it down and keep track. They're going to plan ahead for the fact that on some days they're not going to feel like doing it. So they plan ahead for some sort of mantra or logic or motivational boost that they're going to give themselves when the time comes, and they plan how they're going to do it anyway. Now, you see why it's so important that the first step is such a small one? You have to start with something that you're really confident you can knock out of the park, because then you're going to have some confidence in yourself. So then... You have evidence to show that you can do what you say you're going to do. So then the next step might be put the shoes on, go walk one block and back, or up and down the stairs five times, or whatever. And then that's going to be the plan for the next two weeks. And once they're confident that they can definitely follow through on their promise to themselves with this, then we go up to the next increment and so forth. We keep moving forward in this manner until not just achieving the goal, but it feels like a habit. And if there's a slip-up, which there probably will be because humans will be humans and life will be life, we don't beat ourselves up about it. We just recommit. Got something in your life that you're arguing with yourself about doing or not doing? You know you want to, but you just don't feel like it? Well, Come visit me at whitecoatlifecoach.com and schedule your free consult and we'll work it out. And if you think coaching is something that you want to do, but you just don't feel like it, well, do it anyway. See you next time. Any opinions or views on this podcast or on my website are my own and should not be attributed to my employer.